Good morning, family. Hope you're doing well this morning. So good to see you. Can we just give thanks to the worship band for making an amazing job this morning, please? Hey, I don't play instruments. I wish I could play instruments, but I know it's not easy either. And I think that sometimes we underestimate the... The, the, what it requires to actually do this. It's not, it's not easy to be in front of you here, you know, and people are watching you like, what are you going to do? And you're like, can you just raise your hands, do something, you know? <laughs> it's not easy, friends, but it's so good to be here this morning. And um, today, I mean, the way Dustin set this up, I mean, it was amazing. I think that um, he should preach next. So um, I already have that in mind. Uh, for the ones who don't know me, my name is Antonio Reyes, and I get to be part of the Pastor team in this community and, and help Pastor Steve uh, lead in this community. And it's so good to be here this morning. I'm going to continue a conversation we started quite a bit ago called Exiles. And we've been going through this letter of Ephesians. If this is your first time here, we want to welcome you. We hope that you find a community, you find that you can be loved, that you can belong to a place, that you can be, that this is a place where we're all broken, all messed up, but we look to a Jesus that offers us grace, love, you know, invites us into a beautiful journey this morning. So uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go with me to Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 15. If you don't have it, we're going to have it here in our, on the screen. And last time that I was speaking about this, I was kind of sharing with all of you guys that this chapter is a little intense. It's not pleasant necessary. It's actually, it's confronting us about several things. And I think that confrontation is not bad. I shared with you guys before. Confrontation is not bad when the point of reference is love and is for you. And I think many times we, it's hard for us to understand that confrontation can be good for us and productive to us if it comes from a place of love and care. And I think this is the point of reference of Paul writing this chapter. He, he begins by saying, you're loved by Jesus. You're loved by him. And sometimes that's all we need to know, family, that we're loved by him. And this is the point of reference, the way this is set up. In verse 15, he goes to say, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads you to the debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from the heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you feel comfortable, will you close your eyes with me to pray for a moment? God, we're grateful this morning to be here. Whatever is going on in our lives, we know that you're present, that you're there with us. It can be joyful moments, dark moments, God. And today, can you speak to us? Can you whisper to our souls? Can you invite us into what you're doing and can you calm the storm inside of our hearts, God, our minds? We thank you and we ask you this in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen and amen. You know, this cover is so interesting. My wife had these moments of obsessions. This, this weird moments of obsession. And you might ask, why are you always sharing about your wife? Well, she's my muse, you know. She, I get a lot of content from my being, being married with her, you know. So that's amazing. 
You know, my, my wife tends to have these moments of obsession about things. This moments when she gets so obsessed about something that she Googles it. She looks, she looks for documentaries. She goes to buy books about it. She gets obsessed about things sometimes. And this can go for two weeks, three weeks, a month the most. And I just know how to ride this thing already. I'm like, here we go. She's obsessed about this thing. And there was a season of her life that she was so obsessed about plants. Plants. That was her thing. She, she would go to the store to look at plants. At one point, our little apartment of two bedrooms looked like a jungle, people. It was just ridiculous. I remember leaving and coming back, and I didn't know that she would go to the store when I was gone, and she will buy more. But at this point, I don't know, because everything looks the same to me, but I just feel that I'm in a jungle now in this place. At one point, I had this plant on the top of my bed, hanging in my head, and sleeping with this thing in my head. I'm no expert, people, but I know that's not safe. It looks great for aesthetics, horrible for safety. And I remember seeing my wife, I was like, what's going on with this woman? She's just buying and buying plants like we have this huge house. What are you going to do with them? And at one point, I remember when we were actually coming and moving over here, I heard job that had this big cactuses, probably as tall as me, maybe more than me. And they were getting rid of it, and her great idea was like, I'm going to put those things in the back of my little Honda Fit, and I'm going to travel six hours with them because I'm going to plant them in the new house. I was like, great. It's just amazing. I remember driving my little fit in the back and scared that those things were going to just, you know, something was going to happen. When we got home, our new house, you would think that she would come so super motivated and plant those things. It never happened. It never happened. It sounded great, like a great idea. And I'm sure it, would, it was going to look amazing in our house. But she left them somewhere that every time that she would walk by, she would think, oh, it will, it will be great if I plant him. But I don't have time today. And she will leave. And every time that she will walk by those things that were amazing, she will feel bad because she didn't plant them and nurture them and give them the, the proper time. But she never did anything about it. And those things died there. I don't know what happened. It just died. Didn't work. I thought it sounded like a great idea at one point, but... It didn't work for her. She never actually gave the proper attention and nurture them and plant them and do what it was need to be done for those things. You know, one of the amazing things that I notice about my own life with God is that many times there's things about my life that need to be nurtured in my own relationship with God. Things that I know they're going to add value to my relationship with God. They're going to make me grow. And I feel like sometimes I'm like my wife with those cactuses. I walk by it and I look at those things and I'm like, that sounds great. And I know they're going to add value to my life. I just don't have time today. There's things in our life that matter and they're the most important. Sometimes they don't even sound like they require much from us. But sometimes we don't give the proper attention and nurture those things in our lives. See, Paul is trying to help understand, help all of us understand. In this chapter, he's talking about this new 
humanity versus this all humanity? How do we let go of this all humanity? And how do we actually, how do we make this humanity our lives? Not just as individuals, but collectively. As a community that lean with each other. That is a community led, not a pastor led. That we can lead to each other. So Paul is trying to help us understand this new humanity, how does that look like? And I want you to nurture a couple things in your life. He's telling to the Ephesians. Because sometimes, this is what I notice, friends. The hardest things about following Jesus is not following the ways of Jesus. Sometimes the hardest things in life is to deal with people in the church. Can I be honest? For a little bit. People that are messed up and broken as much as we are. We tend to forget that we're messed up too. Just a little reminder for us. The hardest thing sometimes is just to deal with people. How do we develop, develop healthy relationships? How do we, we, we can become more honest with people? How can we go deeper with people? Sometimes that's the hardest thing. So how do we keep growing, friends? What do we keep cultivating in our lives, in our relationship with God? See, Paul is giving us something very interesting. In verse 15, he, be, he begins by saying, be careful. Be careful. In other words, friends, if you and I identify with Jesus and the way of his ways, we cannot live a, a life that is just overlooking what's happening around us. You and I cannot live a life missing to notice what he's orchestrating around us. See, I remember a couple years, my, some of my friends wanted to take me to Universal Studios. In October, this, this event happening called Horror Nights. And I'm not a fan of it, I'll tell you this. I'm not the person who say, yeah, we're going to go to a haunted house. I'm so excited. There's just no way. What? I don't desire to do that. But my wife does sometimes. And I remember we got invited to this, this event. It would start like at probably 8, 7 at night. It was dark. It's crazy. And I remember going to this place. And my friends know that I don't like it. I just don't care and I don't like it. And they decide that the great idea was I'm going to throw Antonio in the front of the line so he can be the first one. Great friends. Well, I, don't want, I don't want enemies with those type of friends. So we throw Antonio in the front and he will handle it. So they found pleasure on me screaming and yelling, of course. And the worst is that if you scream and yell, you're just pulling more people. They just want to tag you the most. Gabby was just not helpful either. So I remember they throw me to the front and I'm like, I'm just sweating people. I'm, I'm over here sweating. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. This is crazy. And I'm sweating and I'm just walking and I'm paranoid at this point. I'm just walking around I'm like, where am I going? And all of a sudden, wisdom. I don't know what it was. It's just a good idea. I'm like, I'm going to walk as close as the people in front of me. Not that close that they don't think that I'm weird, but close enough that I can see who is, what is coming next so that I don't get scared, of course. So I'm walking. I'm very attentive, very observant, and I'm just walking far enough. And I'm not telling this to my friends. I don't care about them at this point. I'm just surviving. And I see them, and I'm just walking. And I did that for the whole night. And that brought a lot of peace to me. 
And I remember that moment. That's the way I survived that night. I don't remember nothing else. I developed this strategy that helped me deal with that, and it helped me a lot. Who cares about my friends? I don't because they don't care about me. But see, in that moment, I remember being very attentive, very observant because I knew that was required for me. See, Paul is trying to help the Ephesians and help us today that if we're going to live a life with Jesus, we need to be observant, attentive, and aware in life. That you and I need to live this life to such a degree that we are led by wisdom in life. The type of wisdom that makes the most of every moment and every time. See, wisdom is the, it's not just the accumulation of knowledge of who God is and who Jesus is. And I know that sounds hard in a, in a place like this. I get it. I'm not diminishing your, your desire to study. But, but, not, but wisdom is this application, the proper application of what God has to say about our lives. See, because you have a God that wants to be known. He doesn't, wants to, he doesn't want to be studied. Can I repeat that again? God wants to be known. He doesn't want to be studied. Because you have a community of people who wants to be known. They don't want to be studied. I don't care how much of the Enneagram you know about them. I don't care if you know that they're number nine and they're a peacemaker and they have all this personality. Let me tell you, I love the Enneagram. But I don't want to be studied. I don't want you to analyze me. I want you to know me. And you have a God in a community who wants to be known. They don't want to be studied. And I understand that developing relationships require, it's hard, it's complex. It, it, it becomes very fragile many times. But for that, we need wisdom, friends. See, we live in a time where social media hasn't helped much. But we depersonalize people. Where we don't have, we, we don't think we're interacting with a person on the other side. We don't know how to inter interact with each other. How do we relate with each other? And I have to tell you this before. If our biggest pain and our biggest joy come from the same place, and that's relationship, friends, we need wisdom. We need intelligence to, to develop relationships, friends. How do we cultivate joy, harmony, generosity with relationships? How do we celebrate others? How do we comfort others? How do we confront others? How do we develop healthy boundaries? How do we maintain harmony when there's difference of opinion? Hello. How do we care for others as much as we care for each other? How do we care that they can get the best out of this relationship? How do we actually develop something in our relationship where for me to win, somebody else doesn't have to lose? I can keep going. We do need wisdom in this. And, and it's beautiful because Paul is telling us, what do you need wisdom for? To make the most of every opportunity. See, this word, to make the most of every opportunity, they use this word, exagorazo. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it well, but I'm just throwing it out there. To sound intelligent somewhere. Exagorazo. And it's this market place term that they used to use. To when you buy something with the intention of redeeming it. And I know this well because my wife loves to go to offer app 
and find things for free. And she likes to see things that, that might look pretty trashy to me, but she finds always a way to make them look great. Go to Facebook Marketplace and she finds crazy things and she gets them back. And she invests her time and she makes them look great. She redeems them. Paul is trying to let us know, friends, that you and I will come in our lives that we will be given God-given opportunities to practice wisdom, to redeem time, to redeem our relationships, to add value, restoration, deliverance, to never lose a moment, to be proactive in that relationship because it's a God-given opportunity to redeem that moment. Because apparently, deficients have a way to misuse their time. And you know what they used to do? Let, us, let me read it for you. Number 18, do not get drunk. I know that's quiet. I know, I know. Would lead to you to debauchery instead of be filled with the Spirit. See what, this is so interesting to me. Because he's speaking into a culture where they love to drink. And they drink to worship. To celebrate their God, Diana. To see how, what is her will. And this state, they would develop this, you know, dynamic where they will figure out what was Diana's desire. And they, they were drunk and they would figure it out how, okay, how are we going to serve Diana? And Paul is trying to tell them, hey, look, I know you think you're being stimulated by this thing, but it's numbing you. And it's numbing you to a degree that you're making horrible decisions that you're wasting your life. The voucher is also used as wastefulness. And I know that many of us will say, well, we don't drink that much. Okay, I get it. It's not, it's not even about that. It's about what is keeping us from living a full life. What is taking us away from wasting our time? Video games, unhealthy relationships, social media, busyness. What is it? What is keeping you from living this life that God has for you? That is distracting you from making healthy decisions. To redeem time. To develop healthy relationships. See, this moment, he goes and says, I don't want you to be drunk with that. I want you to be filled with the spirit. And I cannot be honest sometimes. I'm like... So there's some cliches, Christian cliches. I'm like, this feels very like, oh, do, don't do drugs, kids. Do, do Jesus. I'm like, ah, ah, ah. But I think what Paul is trying to communicate to us is that what we allow to influence matters. The difference is that this influence, this influence of the spirit is going to take us to be present in our relationships. Because, because friends, hear me out. God is not always going to take you to do something productive, something spiritual. Sometimes he wants you to be still and to stop. And let me tell you, I'm preaching to a choir right now. It's hard for me to be still. I want to do the next thing. What's next? What's next? What's next? I actually need to accomplish this thing. 
you know, I found satisfaction doing those things. But sometimes just God wants me to find myself in this synergy with his ways and say, just slow down for a minute, Antonio. I want you to become aware and conscious and attentive of what am I doing around you with people and yourself. I'm inviting you to be still. Sometimes in this context, especially in this context, to make, the mo- to make the most of every moment, he's asking us, be present. Be present. This takes me to the moment of the Psalms, right? Where the, 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 the author of that Psalm says, be still on my heart. Be still on my heart. Sometimes I need, to, I need to tell myself, be still, Antonio. Mind, be still. My mind is crazy sometimes. Can we be present to make the most of every moment? And then he continues the conversation into something interesting. Because he goes from be still in all this. In verse 19, and speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Wait, okay. It might feel disconnected from what we're talking about. To be honest with you. But he's inviting us to a collective action. That there's power in something that happens when we come all together. And he connects that to music. And he connects that to songs. And he connects that to worship. See, because worship a lot of the times has to do with what is the content, content of your heart. You want to know what is in your heart? Pay attention to what you're talking about with others. With others and about others. Just saying. See, worship has a power to come into the deepest parts of our soul that other things don't have access to. See, the power of worship, it helps you understand what is influencing me. You know, you know how you can figure that out? What are you thinking? What are you meditating on? What are you contemplating on? To the power of, of, of worship is that if you find yourself in this negative place, in this dark place, worship tends to give you a new language for your heart, for your own soul. See, worship influences your emotions in the deepest part of who you are. It's a, an opportunity for you to exchange what you have for what he has to offer. And the most important thing, if you ask me, it helps you to realign your inner narrative. I know that it's, it's hard for us to understand many times, and I was just having a conversation right now. It's hard for us to, under, to understand and to, to, to wrap our minds around this idea that we talk about surrender and worship. We talk about we, 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 we worship in a God that we can't see. But the problem, you know what, friends, is that we give ourselves to things that we don't see all the time. I give myself to my own stress, to my own depression, to my own anxiety, to my own desperation. I allow those narratives to lead me and to influence my life. And I have the opportunity. Paul is inviting us. You have this powerful thing that you can do collectively and in your own time too. With all honesty, I'll, I'll be honest. You know, worship has, I didn't, 
I didn't grow up in church, so I didn't know about this whole worship thing. I just thought it was performance and music, to be honest. But I remember the first time I, one of my friends made it, my first CD with music. I, I hate to call it Christian music, but music that is influenced by Christ. I remember, I, I'm not lying to you, for three or four months when I just decided to follow Jesus, I remember putting this CD, CD, if you know what it is, what CD is. I know, right? I remember putting this CD. And for three or four months, every time in my car, I will cry. I was sobbing, friends. I felt like people were looking at me, what's wrong with this kid? I was sobbing. And you know why, friends? Because I feel like my heart was full of sadness. It was dark for 18 years of my life. And for a moment I felt that there was this new narrative, this new vocabulary coming into my own soul, kicking out everything that was dark in my heart. See, friends, we, sometimes when we have the abundance of something, we miss the value of what we have. And sometimes when we have this, we, just, we miss it because we have it every week, every, every week and every day of our lives. And we miss the opportunity and the value of tapping in into something that can change our inner narrative. Worship, friends. And I can keep talking about worship. I know, I know, I know. You know, it keeps going. Verse 20. And I'm going to invite the band to come up. And it says, always give thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks. Gratitude. You know, friends, I'm no doctor, but I was listening to some conversations about the brain. And some neuroscientists were talking about how gratitude is the lubricant for the brain. That helps develop a resilient brain and a resilient life. You know what I'm surprised sometimes, friends, is how ungrateful I can be. I'm really good at it. I'm really, really good at it. If I ask you right now, can you give me five things that you're grateful for and five things that you're ungrateful for? Guess which is not going to come first? The ungrateful ones. Where it's easy for me to come with five, ten, it's a list of ten things of what am I grateful for. I'm grateful it's something that I, I know how to do well. I don't, I don't need to work hard for that. But see, Paul is inviting us to this place in this moment to acknowledge what is happening around us and develop a heart of gratitude. See, I remember... Um, I was listening to this conversation a while ago by some pastors and they say that Mondays are the hardest day for pastors because you're coming from this high and then you crush and, and a lot, they, were, they were not lying many times. I remember when I opened, I was 27 years old and I decided to open a church. I thought it was a great idea. I'm going to open a church and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and, you know, it was a great Great part of my life. But also was pretty dark many times. I remember I would get on Monday and I would feel irritated. 
I'll be upset and mad. I'll be in this dark place, angry. For things that didn't go well, people not coming through. And I remember that I decided that on Mondays, the day that I feel more ungrateful, I was going to develop something called Grateful Mondays. Where I was going to go on social media and I was going to point out the things that I was grateful for. Another thing that, and I understand, we, we can be grateful for our family, for our health. I get it. But sometimes that's just superficial, friends. Why are you grateful for my health, my family? I get it. Good. That's awesome. We miss to actually dig in to really, why are you grateful for in your life? And I will, I, I, on Mondays when I was upset and irritated, I would push and force myself to find things. Why am I grateful today? And I remember someone that I barely knew started doing in his own social media, Grateful Mondays. I, that was not the intent. Someone else pick it up. See, friends, gratitude. People that are grateful are resilient, friends. People that are ungrateful, they lack resilience. And they're fragile. Have you met people that you cannot even tell them anything because they just crumble? I've been there. And I know where I'm at. But friends... Paul is inviting us to cultivate, to nurture certain aspects of our life, such as wisdom, worship, gratitude. What would it take for you to practice this every single day of your life? Because you can do this collectively and you can do this on your own time. To close this, there's a beautiful moment of the life of Jesus that collect, put all these things together. And that's the Last Supper. See, in the Last Supper, Jesus sits down with the 12. And I don't know about you. I'm emotional. I'm, I'm a very emotional. And I know my wife is pregnant right now and she's very emotional. So it's not a good thing, both of us being emotional. That's the reality of it. But I can't imagine sitting down with my 12, knowing that one is going to betray me. One is going to deny me. The other ones are going to run away and they're going to leave me there. You best believe if I sit in that table, I will be calling everybody out. You're going to run away. You're going to deny me. No, uh-uh, I don't want you guys with me. But it's so interesting, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus sits down and tells them, I've been waiting for this moment. I've been waiting for this moment. And he starts eating with them. Having a conversation with them. Wash their feet. He has this moment of talking about wisdom, people. Controlling their own, his own emotions. Have this self-control. And having this moment where, where he's practicing things are not easy to live out. He invites them. 
brings the wine, the bread. And he has this moment, friends, that I believe it collects all of these things together. Wisdom, worship, gratitude. This morning, friends, I invite you to practice that. We have little cups and different stations around the auditorium. As we sing, as we engage in this moment, I invite you to be part of it. Take one of the cups and have this moment, friends. And my desire is not to make you feel bad. Oh, I'm not doing enough. It's not even about that, friends. I just want you to see the value of things. That I know it sounds like if those things influence your life, can sound, they can build a great life. But it's just not even about that. Remember, you're loved by Jesus. You doing this or not doing this. But this is going to bring inside of your own soul and your own mind attentiveness, awareness of what he's doing around your life and the things that you can be part of it. Discovery. Let's redeem time. Because this is invitation this morning. Go ahead.